Seven out of ten proctologists recommend listening to The Drew Marshall Show. I like you, Jenny. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You okay? Stupid is as stupid does, ma'am. Stop it. Folks, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. We're live right here in southern Ontario, covering a population of six million people. (laughs) Tim just did an Austin Powers (laughs) move on the radio. Yeah. Um, It's our last guest of the show. But what a doozy. Mitch Album is best-selling author, screenwriter, playwright, nationally syndicated columnist. He is the author of six consecutive number one New York Times bestsellers, including Tuesdays with Mo- what is it? Mo- Marty. Marty. More Tuesdays with Jack Lemon. The best-selling memoir of all time, folks. And his books have collectively sold more than 35 million copies in 42 wow. languages. He has founded eight charities in Detroit. I want to talk about Detroit with him in a second here. And operates an orphanage in Port-au-Prince, uh, Haiti. The magic strings of Frankie Presto. That's what we're talking about today with the one and only Mitch Album. And I want to see if I get this right. Mitch, um, I want to summarize the book here. Can I just take a shot at summarizing the book? Of course. Um, Searching for Sugar Man meets Forrest Gump meets the Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> That's not bad. That's uh, pretty good. Come on, a little more enthusiasm would be. How? What would you say? I mean, what's your? You know, you're going. You're, the plane is about to crash, and you're going to tell the person next to you about the book. What do you do? Thirty seconds. Uh, first of all, that's not what I'm going to say. If the plane is about, to <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, forget it. This is much too long a book for our given situation. Yes. But, yes. Uh, if I had a longer time next to him, I would say that yes, it's a story. It's a magical story, a little bit of Forrest Gump about a uh, uh, a guitar player who's the greatest talented musician to ever walk the earth, and because of his uh, suffering that he endures when he's a young boy, he's given this sort of magical guitar that has strings that can change people's lives with his playing, and over the course of his life, he gets six opportunities to change six lives, and whenever he does, the string turns blue, and then uh, it fades away, and so while it's an entertaining, magical story, and it covers kind of the backdrop of all of 20th century music, the bigger point of it is that everybody has an opportunity to change someone else's life with their gifts or with their talents. In his case, it's a guitar. In your case, it could be speaking on the radio. In my case, it could be writing. And and uh, I, I, I've kind of heard over the years people say about Tuesdays with Maury, oh, that book changed my life. And I, I think the first couple of years I heard that, I, I kind of rolled my eyes inside and said, eh, that's a little hyperbole. I mean, it's just a book. How could a book change your life? But over time, when I heard the stories, I came to understand that actually people do have the ability to change other people's lives with the things that they do or create. And so I sort of had the inspiration for this book. All right. Well, uh, Mitch Album, thank you very much. <laughs> it's good to chat. And the plane has gone down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, thank you for that sound effect, Tim. Did you go to school to study what, the I sounds did. that I did. I'm plane a drama crashes teacher. make? Yes. Um, this is the first time you had to hire a researcher? Yeah, because it's uh, it's quite a big book for me. I mean, my books generally are pretty small. 
200 pages or so, but this ended up being so big, and it starts in the 30s, and it goes until almost present day, and because he's such a fantastical character, and obviously, you know, sort of surreal, I wanted to set it against the real music scene, so he weaves in and out throughout with real musicians. He's in Duke Ellington's band when he comes to America as a child, and he encounters Hank Williams, and he ends up as a backup a guitar player in Elvis Presley's band and steps in for him one night when he can't uh, sing, and he's like the world's first Elvis impersonator. <laughs> and later he goes to Woodstock. And, and so to get all that right, because I wanted it to be authentic, um, I, I really needed someone to, to help me in addition to my research just to check the little small things like what color was the car that Hank Williams bought you know, at the car lot and things like that. All right, so what I hear you saying is that you did more research than Dan Brown. <laughs> I have no comment on that. <laughs> um, Paul Stanley, I've got to talk about him for a second. I was at a, a friend's place uh, in Southern California, and there was a giant painting of the on the wall of uh, Robert Johnson, you know, the original blues man sort of thing, and and it was a really cool painting. And I and I said, oh, who who painted that? And they said, oh, that's that's our son-in-law. So I went over to the painting and looked at the bottom. It says P. Stanley. I said, really, Paul Stanley is your son-in-law? Yeah. So it turns out Paul Stanley is an incredible artist. Did you know that? Yeah, I uh, I didn't until I went to his house. Uh, he, okay, he, uh, name he, dropper. He, well, he's part. He's part of the book, um, <laughs> as are about nine or ten other musicians who I've gotten to know over the years. Uh, I was a musician, you know, before I was a writer. And I should explain that. And so, my roots are in music, and my first love is actually music. And so, I've, I've known a lot of musicians over the years, uh, but I've never really written about any of it. And in this case, I contacted some of them and. And uh, I got to know Paul Stanley a little bit, and, and basically I asked them if they minded if I wrote as them in the book a little bit for a few pages, because the book actually begins at Frankie Presto's funeral when the spirit of music comes to take back all the talent that it put inside his body uh, and sprinkle it on new newborn souls, and it decides to stick around and listen at the funeral service to all the people talking about Frankie Presto because music is so proud of you know, its beloved child. And so one of the uh, mourners speaking at the uh, at the funeral is Paul Stanley, along with, uh, gosh, there's Tony Bennett and Burt Bacharach and uh, uh, Ingrid Michelson and Roger McGuinn. Wynn Marcellus. Uh, a bunch of other ones. And these are all people I know. And so I got, you know, I, I know how they talk. And so I wrote a few pages of fictional accounts of what they said. And then I sent them to them and said, okay. And uh, they were all cool with it. And, in fact, they ended up, a lot of them ended up recording their own voices on the audio book, and then they went out and made some videos, and as if Frankie Presto was real, and Burt Backrack actually started crying. Uh, you know, he was he was I, I really miss him, man. I miss him, man. <laughs> Bert, he's he's re he's not real, you know. Just, just, but, uh, How old is Bert? It's fun. It's kind of a zelig thing, you know, that that keeps people interested because it's hard to write about music without referencing real music, you know, because if you say, well. Uh, he was a musician named, you know, Joe Schmo, and he played rock music. Well, you, you can't, you know, what rock music? What does he look like? What does it sound like? But being able to put Frankie Presto in all these real bands as he sort of searches for his place in life was, was uh, you know, grounding it in, as I say, kind of almost like a Zelig or Forrest Gump thing, and it seems to be very fun for people who read it, especially if they know music. Um, Dionne Warwick was on our show a little while ago, and she had some great Burt Bacharach stories. I mean, what a, what an interesting lady uh, she is. Uh, you, you got a chance to hang out with her, did you? 
Uh, no, not her. Uh, Bert uh, and 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 the one of the incidents in the uh, in the book uh, is actually when he's re- he's about to record her doing a house is not a home, and Frankie Presto was in the studio, and he doesn't know who he is, and he turns up the uh, little pot on the on the soundboard in the studio, and he hears this incredible guitar playing like he's never heard before, and he he's uh, so moved by him that he has him you know sit in on the session with the Dion Warwick. But I know I don't know Dionne Warwick, but I know of her. I've interviewed her once or twice in, in, in my life too, and she's fascinating. And Bert Backrack's just got like, I mean, he's worked with everybody. Yeah. You know, he's uh, he's he's phenomenal. Um, okay, so let's talk about music just for a second because I'm a music junkie, and uh-huh. I get asked a lot. You know, I've interviewed some great people over the years, and BB King, James Brown, Alice Cooper. Uh, and uh, you know Sinead O'Connor, and uh, the one there are two that I really want to get. My two top gets are Sting and James Taylor. Who would be yours? Oh, sorry, my en- my engineer fun. is sitting here yelling out Bono. I, that's his. But anyway, who would be yours? Uh, Paul Simon. Uh, I, I, I I would would have said Randy Newman, but I actually had a chance to meet Randy Newman in the last year, so I have to cross him off that list. I, I, I adore his music. I just think he's brilliant. Huh. And it turns out he's a very funny, cranky, irascible <laughs> kind of guy and just kind of like his singing. Yeah. Uh, but I've never uh, I've never interviewed Paul Simon, and I, I think he's a, he's a poet, uh, and I would have liked to have talked to him. But you could see him being an awkward interview, right, making it hard on you. Maybe. Uh, on the other hand, I've seen him talk. Uh, there's a tape out there where he talks about all of his songs, and he kind of goes through each one about how uh, what he had in mind and what they were doing. And, and it's uh, you can't stop watching it because you know. I mean, this is the same guy who wrote Bridge Over Troubled Waters and Cecilia and Graceland, and you know so many of the music uh, that when he does tell a story, you know you can't help but be interested in it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that he's a good guy. Don't don't ruin my impression of him. <laughs> no, but I get all those records that I bought. I don't want to have to return them. <laughs> but you can imagine it'd be like interviewing um, uh, 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 Bob Dylan. You know, you, you, that would be a persnickety interview, right? Or um, uh, Tom. Uh, oh, I can't think. Tom of Waits. Name. Yeah, Tom Waits. I wonder about him. You know, or Leonard Cohen. You know, these guys would be. I, you'd want to hang around and learn, and and because they they're, they're nugget droppers. That just sounded weird, but they're 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 nugget droppers, and uh, but I could just see them being conversationally um, awkward. Awkward, yeah, kind of like I am. Okay, possibly. So, uh, searching for Sugar Man, I dropped that earlier. You've seen that, right? Yes, I have. He's from Detroit. That's what I was saying. Like, yeah. have you met him? Have you talked to him? Come on. No, uh, no, no. We we all we actually had a uh, an interview set up with him, and then Rodriguez the show. Yeah, he didn't show. But I know a lot of people who know him. He's, he's apparently, you know, he's he's around uh, Detroit quite a bit. And the the notion of him, I mean, I was actually working on this book before I was really aware of uh, of that thing. But Frankie Presto in the book also sort of disappears. That's one, yeah. of the, one of the things in the book is that he he's meant to have this he's meant to have this talent of of playing guitar, and and he's so gifted. But at one point. He after he plays in Elvis Presley's band and he gets sort of a taste of that fame, he becomes a, a star himself for a period of time. And as he becomes bigger and bigger in the early '60s, the, his managers and handlers say, "You don't need that guitar; it's slowing you down. You know, just step out front and dance, and you're good looking, and and just be that." And so he puts the guitar in the closet, you know, sort of symbolically, and and kind of turns his back on his his real talent. 
and bad things begin to happen to him, and he sort of tumbles backwards, and he has a big incident at Woodstock, which is sort of tragic, and then he disappears for decades. And, uh, you know, what helps him heal is coming back to his actual guitar playing, but by that point he's just a recluse. He doesn't want to be found anymore, and, and of course, when you don't want to be found, that's when everybody wants to find you. <laughs> and there's a, like a bootleg album that, that, that sneaks out uh, of his guitar playing, and it becomes an obsession of... Of, of of musicians and journalists all trying to find Frankie Presto uh, because this guitar playing is so magical and he's just become content just being sort of quiet and making his music and it's a parable of sorts about you know we all are given gifts and sometimes we we tend to spit at them or just say well I don't want that one I want this one and in in America especially we're kind of made to feel like if your gift isn't either making a lot of money discovering computer chips or having a really great voice that you can win a reality TV show program with, <laughs> then you, you know it's not worth it's not worth it. Whatever talent you have isn't that special, yeah. and that's not true. I mean, you know, everybody has a particular gift, and when you when you practice them and you get close to them, you're probably most at peace, you know. And that gift could be you could be a nurse and just have a great gift for caring for people, and you end up inspiring a patient who who gets better to become a nurse themselves because you know you healed them, or you're a teacher and you know, you might be in a little public school and you're thinking, you know, what am I doing here? I should be a star. But meanwhile, you have an influence on, uh, you know, a couple of kids a year who say, well, that teacher was really good. I want to do that. And next thing you know, you've changed that life. So everybody sort of gets their blue strings. That's kind of the message of Frankie Presto. And if you find your way back to the one that you were meant to do, you're, you're probably going to be most at peace in your life. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my engineer across the board here. We we call him affectionately Tim the Tool. Yes, I've earned that name. He earned it specifically <laughs> today by, oh, by yeah. he had a big score. Oh, today. yeah. Anyway, um, and you are just jonesing for this book. Look at oh, you. Oh, yeah, I'm just like, I'm telling you to because hand it to me now. Tim's a musician. Tim's a drama teacher. Tim is uh, an artist, a creative. He is, ch- what is going on in your brain over there? I did, I'm just, I'm chomping here. This sounds so exciting. I really want to dive into this because it's yeah it's just like you had described at the beginning you know this mixture of a whole bunch of different you know famous stories and all that kind of stuff and it's just it sounds so interesting and i think the other thing too is you know uh, your your works are always you know like you said before people have been inspired by your works and you know i love the fact that you use the word uh, it's a parable uh, you know of sorts to try and teach people different things and it's uh yeah, so excited. And just as a quick aside, i got to tell you, um, one of the English teachers at my school is Is gonna, there a question here? Yeah, no, one of the, yeah, there is going to be one. One of the English <laughs> teachers at my school wants to use your uh, five people you met in heaven or five people you uh, five people you find in heaven. And um, her concern was, like, we work in a multicultural, multireligious school. Would there, you know, she was wondering, is there going to be a problem? Is it going to be too preachy or something like that? Or what oh, is, no, 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 not that book. No, not at all. Okay. Uh, five people you meet in heaven. A lot of people assume because of the title that you know must have a particular point of view or it's dogmatic in some way. But uh, it, it isn't the, really the five. The, the conceit of the five people you meet in heaven is that everybody matters, and the guy who's sort of at the center of it is this amusement park worker who uh, who thinks he's a nobody, sort of based on an old uncle of mine, and he goes through his life thinking you know he's just this blue collar maintenance man in an amusement park. And he's convinced that he's nobody, and he dies trying to save a little girl from a, a, an accident on a ride. And he wakes up in heaven and, and finds that actually the first stage of heaven is you meet five people who you had an effect on while you were on earth, but they aren't necessarily people you knew. 
and he he you know finds out that all these little accidents in his life and all these little moments um you know he affected somebody but it's not you know dogmatically religious or anything like that it's actually got a similar theme to frankie presto 12 years later you know in terms of how we influence each other although with frankie it's more about the talents that we have mm-hmm. and the gifts that we have whereas five people you meet in heaven it's just sort of even if you think you're talentless, you, you are affecting somebody just by being out in the world. Whether that's positive or negative. Yeah. Uh, MitchAlbum.com. Yeah, Mitch Album, uh, not spelled like the album, but spelled like album. Um, <laughs> I'm in radio. You can tell. Uh, Mitch, here's the thing. With the celebrities I've interviewed over the years, the musicians, the recording artists, they're the ones that seem more apt to come on to a show where we talk about spiritual stuff than actors. And yeah. and wh- I have a theory about that. I would like to know your theory. Well, my theory would be, first of all, I don't disagree. Uh, and secondly, my th- the theory about it is that uh, to be a really great musician, you need to be internal. You know, you need to be in touch with uh, f- sensitivity to the world around you, to your, your own art, to yourself. An actor is much more external uh, on a lot of levels, you know, and who you're reacting to and with. And then, of course, there's all the fame that goes with acting. And, you know, you can you can make a lot more money if you're successful acting than you can as a musician. Uh, and, and, and I, you know, and, and, you know, acting could be kind of the luck of the of the, the cheekbones, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. If you. You just were born with good looks. You're halfway home to acting. But being a great musician, you've got to work at it. And, and there's something, I think, very spiritual about music. It's a form of communication. It, I mean, I, I, I tell the, the story of Frankie Presto through the voice of music. Music actually is the narrator, which was kind of a, a big, you know, kind of dangerous thing to try as a writer because now you, once you establish it, you've got to do it the whole book long. But I did it because... To me, the spirit of music is almost, you know, a little godlike. You know, it, it, and 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 he 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 or it speaks that way. He says, "I'm music. I'm 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 a gift." Uh, you know, why why are you? And he gets to lecture. You know, like us humans. You know, sometimes he says in the book, "Why do you humans get caught up with this money thing that's so important to you? Can't you feel how special I am when I surge inside of you? That should be enough. Why are you worried about whether you can make money with it or not?" And and I think those kind of emotions with music. Um, are what enable you to to play it. Music's very. It comes from nature. The sounds are. You know, there's music in nature, and it's just something very spiritual about the whole idea of music. I think. Okay, I've got to ask Is that you. Close to your theory. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Exactly. I mean, I didn't. I should have. I should have come back and and. Um, You're uh, a writer. You said it better. Yeah, that's kind of what I, yeah. <laughs> I was actually listening to what you were saying and thinking. Okay, I don't need to follow up because you nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, um. I, and I, th- I think, um, I don't know, I, there seems, the, the disease of narcissism is more prevalent in the acting world than it is in the music world. That's true, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, also music's collaborative. And, yeah. you know, means you have to get along with some other people, whereas acting can be very solitary. You, uh, what's your, what is your God thing? What do, do you have a belief, or do you, are you a worshiper? Are you a, like, do you have a yeah. label, I'm a this? <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a very a very late rising uh, uh singularly talented person who has no, no other skill than uh than writing stories and No, and, but do you have a belief? Do you have a spiritual? Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, know. I I wrote a book about faith and a couple of books ago called <laughs> Have a Little Faith and I was raised Jewishly. Uh, I'm I'm married to a Christian. Uh, I'm a very big 
supporter of faith uh, purely practiced uh, and, and, and harming no one else uh, of all forms. And uh, I do believe in God. I do believe in heaven. I do believe in, in something that comes after. I, I think if you ask me specifically what that is, I would say, well, I have my notion of it, but I really think that the fact that you believe in something is godlike in and of itself. It's, hmm. it's the thread that that connects a little piece of divinity that's inside everybody. And, and I've been blessed enough to travel the world and see people from all over. I operate a Christian orphanage in Haiti, uh, even though I was raised Jewishly. And, and uh, I see how, um, I mean, the most amazing thing with those kids is at 7 o'clock at night, every night, despite the fact that they all came from sleeping in the, in the mud, uh, with one cup of rice and no bathrooms and no water and no electricity and 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 most of you know their parents or their guardians gave up on them and brought them to us despite all that at, at seven o'clock at night they sit down and start singing uh, hymns and devotional songs with the most fervor that you have ever seen it's music that I've never I can't even describe how beautiful it is and how loud and energetic and it goes for about 40 minutes without a single piece of paper mm. with no lyrics with no books and one a kid will just yell out a, a song, and next thing you know, they're all singing it, and so cool. and 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 they're all about thank you God and thank you Jesus, and 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 and, and you're, looking, you're you find yourself saying thank you, like of all the people I've met in the world, you have the least. This is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and they are the most grateful children. So uh, I I am bowled over by faith, and and uh, I'm in awe of it, and hmm. celebrated any chance I get. Do you and the missus ever get in any um, heated toe to toe? Old Testament, New Testament fights? <laughs> Not really. No. First of all, <laughs> we we don't line up toe to toe. But uh, no, I, you know we that all that was discussed long ago. Yeah. And, and you know she's she's actually. I mean she's she she's constantly saying to me, um, I don't care where you uh, pray. Just make sure you go and pray. You know. Mm-hmm. And she'll go with me. We go to synagogue together. We go to churches together. I. I mean, I, I referenced this book that I wrote a couple of books ago, but it's a church in Detroit where that had a hole in its roof uh, that where it actually snowed in on top of the the poor and homeless people who practiced there, and we raised the money to fix the roof, which it's no longer snows in. The people are still poor and homeless, but it no longer snows on top of them. And we go there regularly, and 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 the church in Detroit. So, no, I mean, we believe pretty much the same things and 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 the fundamentals. Um, were you sad when the Blue Jays lost? Huh? You were crushed, weren't you? Uh, I live in Detroit. Come on. Uh, Come on. I don't, I, my sadness came about two months before the Blue Jays lost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Hulls, are they still a big name in Detroit? Uh, yeah, not as big as the Hows. Yeah, okay. Know, uh, uh, Gordy and, and others, but yeah. I mean, we're it's hockey town. Every, everybody who ever, ever skated and had a stick is big in Detroit. You are a good interview, man. Thank you. I like you. I don't know you, but I like you. <laughs> Thank you. I like you, too. Oh, stop. Mitch <laughs> I don't Album. I know you either, but you seem like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I think it helps our relationship that we don't know each other. Mitch Album, <laughs> the author of Magic Strings of Frankie Presto. you got to go to the website. Just watch the tra- like the trailer. There's so much... 
There's the video where you you got all these uh, these uh, you know, big name musicians that are talking about this dude, and it's a fictional thing, but it's so easy to get. Oh, it's a, I love the hook of this whole deal, man. Uh, MitchAlbum.com, that's the website. A L B O M, MitchAlbum.com. We're giving away a copy of the Magic Strings of Frankie Presto on our Drew Marshall Show Facebook page in partnership with Harper Collins Canada Faith Books. So go to the Drew Marshall Show Facebook page and find out. You can see a picture of me holding Mitch album. I mean, his book. <laughs> so good to chat, man. I, I hope you have Thank a great you. weekend, Mitch. Thank you. Me, uh, same to you guys. It was really a lot of fun. <laughs>